0: And then thursday night this thursday night we are finishing up we are um, our first year of fx our family experience so if you've been coming to that you can come and uh, we're going to have a nice celebration of what guys been doing every thursday night with our family experience and then we're going to revamp for the fall so please come check that out and then on um also we have on thursday nights we have our 724 724 is our young adult ministry so that means Anyone that is just getting out of high school, and then anyone you know beyond that, if you're in your you know in college or maybe you're just into your career, and uh, so we want to invite you out. That's Thursdays. That's at our Straight Street building as well, and that's that starts at seven two four. So please come and join us with some food, some fellowship, and uh, and uh, just getting into God's word. And on Friday nights we have our Celebrate Recovery. That's with Pastor Al Finney. And uh, so that's like a 12-step program. That's, it's a biblical 12-step program that talks about hurts, habits, and hang-ups, um, you know, things that people go through in life. And so maybe if you could benefit from that or you know someone who could benefit from that, please invite them to come on out and check it out. That's Friday nights at 6 p.m. Now we have some exciting events coming up now uh, right around the corner if you didn't forget we have our Mother's Day so put that on your calendar if you didn't already now we want to take an opportunity to thank our mothers because I know that I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a mother and I know that you wouldn't either so we want to take an opportunity to thank our mothers for everything they've done for us so what we're doing is we're putting giving an opportunity to fill out a little card and uh, just appreciate your mother. It doesn't It can be anonymous, it doesn't matter. You can have to put your name on it or your mom's name on it, but just think about how your mom has impacted your life in such an incredible way. And we're gonna share some of those and just, you know, thank moms. And not only that, but if you submit one, then you have an opportunity to win a great prize for your mother. So save some shopping as well. And uh, so please uh, check that out at Send Courier. We wanna get some stories of just appreciating the legacy that mothers leave and imprint into our lives. Now I also have a, there's a Ladies, noon tea, and I was not invited to it, but I hear it's going to be really awesome. Now it's coming up. That is Saturday, May second, and that's going to be downstairs in our um, in the uh, canopy kids room. And uh, so it says, bring your large brimmed hat, ladies. So get out your large brimmed hat and get ready for noon tea on Saturday, May second. If you have any questions, you can come see Dion and Eddie about that. Now, if you've been following it on TV, we've been talking about this AD series. It's on NBC. And uh, that's uh, really, uh, really interesting. It's really exciting to see, and it's um, it's uh, supposed to be very historically accurate of the events going on right after the crucifixion. So this is right after Easter. We're talking about the Book of Acts, and so every week we're gonna, you can see it on TV, and you can invite friends to watch it. And then every week, Pastor is going to come and talk about it, and invite us to learn more about it. So it's a great chance just to um, you know learn the Book of Acts in a very visual and exciting way, and then come to church and share. So thank you for your time.
1: Does such a great job, doesn't he? Well, it's so good to see you today in the Lord's house. If you're happy to be here, say Amen. Amen. Uh, What a great day! So much enthusiasm around the church this morning. You know, it's just uh, it's exciting to us after a long, hard winter. Uh, I hope that uh, you're thinking about a paragraph, uh, a little paragraph that you can write about your mother. go on our website put it on there I read one uh, this morning uh, from one of our members I thought man this is really nice boy this this was touch my heart and so let's flood these little articles in in our church about your mom okay why my mother is special to me or I thank God for my mother on this mother's day Uh, if you can't send it in via email Uh, type it up, bring it in, put it in one of our offering boxes, we'll collect it. Uh, Let's just flood our church with these articles. Uh, On Easter Sunday we started our uh, pave the way effort here in our church to uh, start gathering funds to resurface our parking lot. And uh, I want you to continue to pray about this. This is going to be uh, uh, something that we're going to be working on for some time, I'm sure. But uh, last week we took in over 800 dollars to add to the uh, nine or 10,000 dollars we had before. So we're starting to see a little bit of traction. And I just ask you to pray about uh, your part. What can you do? Do you have some funds somewhere that, that you're not using? You're, you'd like to invest it in the Lord's work? Well, that's, that's what we need here at our church for uh, paving the way. Also uh, Let's just uh, continue to pray about uh, this A.D. program. I know many, many people are talking about it. I've been out and about, and I've heard people say, you know, I, I don't usually watch these kind of things on television, but uh, this one's not too bad. Uh, and so let's just talk it up, uh, share with them what we're talking about here in the church, invite them to church to hear more. Let's stand together as our ushers come. We'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you so much for, for giving each week. It enables us to do the work of the ministry uh, unencumbered, uh, with freedom. Uh, I know you appreciate what God's given you, and now let's uh, thank him for this gift which, which he's given to us. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to, together today in the church and give for your work, Lord. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
2: He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and one day we will rise to be with him. Amen. Amen. Exciting. There we go. stands eternal your kingdom knows no end your praise goes on forever and on and on
3: On our series AD, I hope that you've been watching. I've, uh, I've talked to several people who've been telling me that they've been watching. Thank you, Dan. Uh, several people have been sharing how that they've been watching the AD series on TV. It's on NBC on Sunday nights at nine o'clock. Um, and if you missed last week's episode, you can go on at eight o'clock and watch last week's, and then nine o'clock comes this week's. But um, if you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter one. Because that's where we're going to be hanging out, starting out here today, Acts chapter 1. Um, so exciting when you think about the early church. As we were singing those songs to more, this morning, all I could think of is that's what the early church did. They gathered together after Jesus rose from the dead, and they kept singing. They were probably singing songs just like that, I will rise, because he lives, I live. And, and just how exciting this is to have the risen Savior and in Acts chapter 1, we see the beginning here uh, of the, the Acts of the Apostles. This is what the name of the book is, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, verse 1 helps us to find out who wrote the book. He says there, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Here we have, it shows our, the authorship here is Luke and we can tell that by the address to Theophilus. If you were to go over into Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all right, go to the book of Luke and read in the first few verses, he addresses Theophilus there as well. And who was Theophilus? Theophilus means lover of God or a friend of God. And so many people thought, well he's just writing to all the Christians, all the people that love God. But uh, more, more importantly than that, he also was written, writing to a man whose name was Theophilus. And uh, this, this fellow Theophilus was a higher ranking citizen and he had some ability to be able to help circulate these letters. So he, Luke here, he's the physician um, he's a, a friend of the Apostle Paul. He was an eyewitness to the life of Christ. And so throughout the book of Luke, you see all the eyewitness events of the life of Christ. And here we see now the, uh, the life, not only the life of Christ, but the life of the Apostles. And as we're looking at the life of the Apostles this morning, he begins and he starts off where Jesus left off. Um, so the, think with me what was happening, though, as, as Jesus left. Uh, Jesus had risen from the dead. He came back to life again, and there's rumors flying all over the place about Jesus, how he had come back to life. And people are now wondering, uh, you know, many people are, are making their decision, uh, is this true, is this a story, what's going on? He had appeared to more than 500 people during this 40-day period after he rose from the grave, and these rumors are swelling and flying all over, all over the place about Jesus, and the, the authorities are mad. The authorities are upset. They want to squelch this movement. But yet Jesus says, I still have a plan. And this movement is going to continue. So in uh, the first point in your notes this morning is that Jesus promised power and purpose. Jesus promised power and a purpose. He gave the purpose uh, to, the, to the people here. We're going to see to his followers. And he gave the power to them. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Therefore... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, th- this verse here is very insightful, for it helps us to understand uh, what's going on in the minds of the followers of Christ. They understood that there was a, 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 an issue of, uh, of politicalness here. Uh, the, the Roman government had, had oppression upon the people. They remember just a few weeks earlier... How that the, the Palm Sunday and that Jesus was coming in on a donkey and they were ready to crown him as the king. But yet now, Jesus has gone through the crucifixion. He's come back to life again. He's made his appearance. And they had fled from Jerusalem. They've gone up to Galilee. And now he calls them back to Jerusalem. And, and what's going on in their mind is, is he going to be the king? Is he going to set up the political throne again? Are we going to be free? Yay, help has come. Our day has finally arrived. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And look what he, how he replies to them. When he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He says, you're not going to know when this is going to happen. But, verse 8, but... I, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now the disciples are wondering, power? Just, just think what's going on in their, in their minds. They, they've come up to, the, to Jerusalem, and he's gathered his followers, and he says, um, you know, I, 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 want, I want to talk to you. And as they've gathered together, it's questioning in their mind, is this the time? Is he going to be the king now? Or is, is this the time, the moment that it's going to happen? And he says, no, it's not. You don't know the moment that it's going to happen. However, you will receive power. Now let's stop and think about that word power. What kind of power is he talking about here? Um, the word power means source, uh, force. It, it gives, a, gives a concept of force. Uh, gives the idea of dynamite in the original writing the original word there is is which means dynamite that's where we get our word dynamite he says i'm going to give you dynamite i'm going to give you power and so think of their perspective okay our master rose from the grave he is the king of kings he is the messiah and the promises that have been foretold all throughout the old testament is now the time that it's going to happen He says we won't know, but he's giving us the force. He's giving us the dynamite to do it. Um, He says you can't do this on your own. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has come, that's when you will receive the power. He's telling them uh, that you're going to be my witness. All right. He uses the word witness. Uh, That's the next focus of the the verse. Uh, Witness is a key word in the book of Acts. It's used 29 times in the book of Acts witness means someone who will testify someone who will accurately share the uh, an account what actually happened somebody will testify in a court of law and he says that you will be my witnesses you are going to be the ones who will testify that i am the way the truth and the life that no one can come to the father except through me you will be my witness to testify to verify to tell them how it happened that i have risen from the dead, that I am alive. Witness is the key word in the book. And also that word witness comes from the concept of martyr. The original, the original word there uh, is where we get the word martyr from. And he says that you're going to be my witness. And, and, he, and by using that word, he's saying that it may even cost you your life. See, many people witnessed, uh, witness to these events. Many people proclaimed and clarified who jesus is and part of the crowd that he was talking to that day even gave their life as a martyr but mart- even martyrdom wouldn't stop christianity and he says that you will be my witness to the ends of the earth in jerusalem so where are we going to do it we're going to start out in jerusalem he says and, and the apostles are standing there. They understand, well, yeah, we understand Jerusalem. We, we know how to do that. That would be like me telling you you're going to be witnesses in Pittsburgh. You're going to go down to Pittsburgh. And you're saying, well, okay, I know how to do that. I know how to take the tea down there. I know, I know a few things in Pittsburgh. We can handle that. And then he says, I'm going to take it a step further. Not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria. So now, geographically, we're coming out. We're, we're moving out a little bit further. And there was Judea was a, 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 the next region. But also Samaria, and the Jews didn't really like to go through Samaria. It was the part of town that they didn't want to go into. And, but they're thinking, well, Jesus had taken us through there. He stopped and talked to the woman at the well. Okay, that makes sense. So Pittsburgh, the tri-state area, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And then he says, to the end of the earth. To the whole world. You're going to take this message out to the whole world. This is why they needed the power. God gave them the purpose. The purpose was to be his witness to the very end of the world. That this was going to spread. And they couldn't even comprehend the totality of this message. They couldn't comprehend that God was going to create a movement that would last until today. Jesus, when he came and he talked to his disciples, he told them that I will build my church. He said, and he used this word there, it's ecclesia. It means church, but it, it's more than just a building. It's not a location. Uh, when Jesus came to start the church, he didn't, when he, he, didn't, he didn't start the church for us with a building. He started a movement, and the movement was centered around the thought that Jesus has risen from the dead. And he used 12 guys. He used these, these simple fishermen, sends them out, and they begin this movement. And God starts a very powerful thing here that we know the church. So Jesus gave them power and a purpose, and he tells them, basically, you're not going to be able to do this in your own power. You need the power. You need the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. And this is same, the same is true for us today. God has given you a purpose and power. That power comes through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look in just a few moments and we're going to see how the Holy Spirit came, uh, came to, to that group of people and how the Holy Spirit entered into our world. But I want you to think with me this morning about this, the fact that Jesus had a mission and that mission still carries on for you today. And he's not giving you this mission to go out in fear. So many times I talk to people and they tell me, "Well, I'm, a sh- I'm afraid to share my faith. If I go out and share my faith, what will people say? And I I, I have all these fears. And I think the dynamic that we're missing is the power. We've forgotten that God has given you the power. It's His message. When I go out and I share Jesus with somebody, and whatever the conversation may be, they may disagree, but guess what? I have the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit of God is upon me. So whenever you go out and you share the message of Jesus it is not your message. It's God's message. And you're just carrying it the next step. You're carrying it to the next person. And the power comes from God. Not in, well, I learned how to say it this way. And, you know, you learn all these ways that we know how to do it. It is about the power of God to be upon us. And then he left. After after he gave him this mission, he leaves. And if you watched A.D. last week, you'll, you would see how that they creatively uh, tried to portray this, the, these verses here. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And then he ascends into heaven. And, and so he, he gave them a mission, and then he left. Now imagine, you get to follow Jesus. Jesus was, Jesus was the one who started this, and then he leaves. And he says, okay, guys, you've got to go. Take it. You're going to be my witnesses. And, and so they're told to stick around Jerusalem for a while, Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. When the, power of the, when, when the Holy, Holy Spirit comes, you'll receive the power. And so what did they do while they're waiting? Acts 1.14 tells us that they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. There were about 120 of these people. Um, if you look through Acts chapter 1 and 2, you'll see there are about 120 people that were, that were gathering together. And they were meeting together for prayer. And they were constantly united in prayer. Um, Let's jump over to Acts chapter 2. The promise of Jesus is fulfilled in the person of the Holy Spirit. The promise of Jesus is fulfilled in the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each, uh, uh, on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'd like to share with you a clip this morning. If you go home and watch A.D. tonight, you'll see this clip on, uh, on A.D. tonight. It, it, it illustrates these few verses right here. Let's take a peek. Gracias. Now, we can leave
2: this place. Now!
3: very creative uh, display of what might have happened. We, we don't know what it looked like. We know what these verses told us in the Scripture. But the concept here is that God sent His Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, He performed a miracle that day. And those people were able to speak other languages. Okay? He says that they were able to speak other tongues. That's like your mother tongue. Another language. And so as, as you look at that, Uh, These people were were gathering together, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they begin now to speak in another language. It would be like me being able to speak Spanish. What I wouldn't have done to be able to speak Spanish on those missions trips, you know? Uh, How many times, you know, every time my good friend Daniel Gonzalez comes in, I try to talk to him. He's, He's Spanish, knows some English. I'm English, know like three words of Spanish. And, uh, and, you know, like, yeah, I, oh, oh, I, you know we get this awkward conversation going on. And I don't really know if he knows what I've just said. And I know I don't have a clue what he just said. But what happened here was that these people, they were meeting, and God had a mission for them. And they were meeting with God, and God displays this miraculous sign. There's power that comes. The power of the Holy Spirit came. And and so the rushing wind, the, the the flames, the the tongues that look like flames, and and here the people are able to use it to accomplish his mission to bring people to Christ. It says on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost Pentecost had fully come, Pentecost was a feast. It was another one of these feasts that uh, that the Jews would celebrate. See, when we understand Pentecost, it means 50. The word 50 is involved. 50 days from the Feast of First Fruits. So the Jewish people would come together and they celebrated the Passover. That's when Jesus died during Passover. On the Sabbath, and then Sunday. On Sunday, so we have the Sabbath at the end of the Passover, then Sunday comes up the um, Feast of First Fruits. So if you count 50 days away you'll come to the day of pentecost so that's what this is a reference to it was also a celebration of when moses gave the 10 commandments uh which was 7 weeks after passover the culmination of the feast of weeks the 7 week harvest of wheat and barley which began at passover the day after the 7 week harvest was design- designated as a time of celebration and thanks to god and the Jews brought an offering of their harvest to the temple. So just like during Passover, thousands upon thousands would converge upon Israel, upon, upon Jerusalem to the temple. This is what happened again during the Feast of Pentecost. So there is a natural gathering of the people. Jesus leaves on day 40. He's ascended into heaven. They pray, they wait, they wait, they pray for 10 days. And on this 50th day, As the people have converged all over Jerusalem, they come in. Look what Acts 2 verse 5 says. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. These people came from everywhere. It's the pilgrimage. They came home to Jerusalem for this feast. They understood the general language of Greek. It was like the, the trade language. Like we have English as the trade language. Their, it was, Greek was the trade language. However, they all had their mother tongue. They all had their mother language that they knew. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Aren't these just common people? They, they don't speak our language. And the Galileans weren't known for scholarly input. They weren't known to go out and learn languages. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? God performed a miracle. And aren't these men just Galileans? They don't don't speak our language. And then look on further down, uh, verses 9 through 11. He talks about all the different communities these people came from, all the different regions. And that gives us the idea of all these different languages. Verse 12, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. They're drunk. Some said, this is wonderful. Others said, they're drunk. Forget them. Look what Peter does. Number three in your notes this morning. Peter shares the gospel of Jesus and the people respond. Peter shares the gospel of Jesus and the Peter respond. Peter stands up and he starts preaching. He just goes up and gets on a ledge. And it says here with the other 11, he stands up. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. You see, Orthodox Jews, they did not eat or drink before nine o'clock on on a Sabbath day or on a holy day. And they wouldn't usually drink wine except with meals. So he's saying, look, these men are not drunk. These men here, that God has done something. Verse 16, he says, But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So he takes them back to God's word. The prophet Joel had prophesied this several hundred years earlier. And he draws application. Verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see shall see dreams, shall dream dreams. And on my servant, on my servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I, shall, I, I will show wonders in heaven and above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the, the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter draws application from Joel chapter 2. You can go back and read that and you'll see what what was there, what was prophesied. And much of this prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. But he draws an application and says don't you see? Don't you see this was the outpouring of God and it was planned, it was promised from years gone by. He also explained how it happened. He said that Jesus was alive. Uh, Acts twenty two Acts 2.22, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. Uh, verse 24, uh, you have taken by lawless hands, you have crucified and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by death. Jump down to verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And he makes it extremely personal. He says, let it be known that you are the one who crucified him. Now, that's, that's not a popular message, was it? But he did bring it personal. And that is what we have to do. We have to bring the gospel personal. When Jesus died on the cross, um, many of those people were in that crowd. Many of those people have been in the crowd crying, crucify him, crucify him. In the end, my sin... Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I'm the one who put him on the cross. These people, with their sin, put him on the cross. John Stott says this, Before we can see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. And that is so, such a vivid description of what he is telling the people here. You have crucified him. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart because they had been praying for the Messiah. These people were waiting for the long-awaited Messiah to come. And now, he says, you are the ones who killed him. And it cut to the heart. Said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart and they replied to Peter, what shall we do? They responded, what shall we do? Then Peter says to them, he he tells them how to respond. He says, repent and be baptized. And let every one of you uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He says, repent, comma, and let every one of you be baptized. Baptism was not a condition for salvation. It was repent. And when he's saying repent here, he's talking about going from one direction, changing your mind, changing your direction, and following Christ. What, was, what were they repenting of here? They were repenting that they denied the Messiah that they crucified the Messiah. And he says, repent, change your mind, change your heart, and follow Christ. He wasn't saying, repent of your laundry list. He's saying, change your direction and come to Christ. And the same is true today. God wants us to repent, It's not something I can do on my own. I come and I follow him. And he does all the rest of my life. It's a repent. I'm changing my direction. At once I thought Jesus was just a prophet. Just a good man. Or even I've known all the facts about Jesus. But I didn't trust him. I didn't follow him. God says to turn your direction and follow him. And look what happens here. He he gave the promise. He says, This promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. All who are afar off, that includes me and you. Two thousand years later, we are afar off. I would say that we are two thousand years. That's a long way away from the from this statement. You are part of the church that God started. You are a part of this movement that God started. You get to follow him and that we're far off how about the people that aren't walking with god um and in that context there also think this was primarily jews he was talking to the gentiles the rest of the world to those who are far off and today i want you to think about people in your life that you can think of that are far off people that you would say they are so far from god those are the people that god's called us to reach That's who the promise extends to. It extends to you, not just to you, but to the people that are far off. Number three, the church is established as 3,000 people received the Lord. Acts 2, verse 40 and 41. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So we just see the the birth of the church. This is the beginning of the church. Jesus' movement. This is the movement that Jesus said, I'm going to start. It's bigger than a building. A building is just one part of what we do up here. Uh, The church is every day of the week. It's not just a few hours on Sunday. It's bigger than Sunday. It's bigger than our gathering here. And it's bigger than all the buildings of all the churches all over the world. Because God is doing something where people are gathering together in this movement and they are praying and thanking God. They're worshiping Him and saying, He is alive. I'm following Him. He is alive. I've turned from my sin to Christ and He is working a wonder in my life. Wow. 3,000 people. And if you look at at the next chapters in Acts, you'll see another one says that 5,000 men came to Christ. That was the way they would count. So it was really like 20,000 people came to Christ with that by the time you add the women and the children. Now you're up to 25,000. It just keeps going and going. And it's like some scholars believe that throughout the book of Acts, nearly 100,000 people came to Christ in in about a 30-year time. It's exciting what God has done here. This new church experienced a few things here. The new church experiences. And look, they came to Christ. God gave them power. They went out. They were his witnesses. Peter stands up, preaches. 3,000 people respond. And now you have a new community. The community of believers. And and here's what happened here. Look, Acts 2.42 says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the teaching of God's word. And in fellowship. And in the breaking of bread. And in prayer. So their focus was... God's Word, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And I just want to stop and think about that fellowship for a minute. So many times we have this thought of fellowship that it's this. I got to uh, shake hands with you in the hallway today, right? Or we had coffee in the gymnasium. That was fellowship, right? And certainly that's the beginning of fellowship, right? That's where it starts. I have to know your name. It has to start somewhere but fellowship is so much deeper than that fellowship gives the idea of sharing and if you read through the passage there it talks all about how that they shared everything that they had but it is this idea of sharing in a radical acceptance they accepted each other um, they accepted each other as christ accepted us so the first thing that the church experienced, this new church experience number one is the radical is radical acceptance um, Romans 15, 7. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says this. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. How did Christ accept you? With all your shortcomings. He knew all of your sin. He knew all of your habits. He knew all of your hurts, all your hang-ups. He knows everything about you. And he says, I accept you unconditionally. And what's the Apostle Paul say? accept each other just as Christ accepted you that's the new community that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit as we go out and we are witnessing we're bringing people to Christ we're, we're testifying that is what makes the difference see, now I can accept you with your shortcomings and you can accept me with my shortcomings and we accept each other through all these things that we have to deal with secondly, it was authentic care Um, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. They came together and as they had need, they would would help each other. Number three was hospitality in the homes. Hospitality in homes. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate bread together uh, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want you to think with me about this. The hospitality. There was a movement. God created a movement. It was centered around the fact that Jesus came back to life again. And this movement has extended to us today. And it's in every part of the world. It's in every country on the earth. You can go out and you will see that Jesus has made his mark. There are followers of Christ everywhere, all over the place. And what they did, they came together. Part of it was... This hospitality. Um, let me just read to you what Max Lucato says about those verses. He says, Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as the primary tool of the church. The primary gathering place of the church was the home. Something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the back of heads... Around the table, you see the expression of faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there is time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that, the hosp- that hospitality and hospital came, come from the same Latin word. For the, for the both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message. You matter to me and to God. You may think you are saying, come over for a visit. But what your guest hears is, I am worth the effort. I want to encourage us to be the church. Let's not just attend church. Let's be the church. Let's be part of the movement of God He said, against this movement, against my ecclesia, my church, the gates of hell will not prevail. We're going to go out, we're going to be His witnesses in His power with the Holy Spirit. And He has told us that His church will not fail. His church will not die. We're here, and it is here to stay. And I want to encourage us to begin to look at what principles can we take from the book of Acts? What principles can we look at the early church? How about unconditional acceptance of one another? Well, this person does this, and that person does that, and he said, she said, well, guess what? I accept you. That's unconditional acceptance. I love you. I care about you. And I'm going to help you. Unconditional acceptance. How about sharing? How about caring? How about this hospitality? Wouldn't it be exciting if, if we see a church that, as we dismiss gathers together all week long in homes that is sharing this community that has, has an incredible amount of community. Oh, you're not in a home every day somewhere, but somewhere along the line, you've got some sort of connection where you're meeting with other people who are followers of this Jesus who rose from the dead. Who are encouraging you, who are sharing and bearing the burdens together. That's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'd like to encourage you to respond to God's words this morning. We saw an inaugural event when the Holy Spirit came. That was an exciting moment. And now we're 2,000 years later. God's doing different miracles today. He's doing the miracle of changing lives. People's hearts are being transformed. And He wants to use you. And He's given you the same power and the same mission, the same purpose. Will you respond to him this morning? Our Father and our God, we come before you and I just ask that you will be upon your people, Lord, as they respond to your word, as they open their hearts to the Almighty God. Lord, I thank you for the miracle that we see in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, which was really the Acts of God in the life of the Apostles. Lord, transform our church transform us to be more and more like you. Lord, help us as we are part of the way, part of the movement of this global movement where you've called people to meet with you and to meet with each other, to spread the word, to be your witnesses. In your name we pray, amen.